0: What the blood in the story is doing is not moving, it's not like the beginning of something, it's the creation of something in the past to explain the present.
1: This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. Holy Week is basically here... For many of you, this coming week is one of the busiest of your whole year. So we'll be here each of the next few days with episodes for Holy Week. Monday, Thursday today, Good Friday tomorrow, and then Holy Saturday. And our episode for Easter Sunday will be here next Monday as usual. To kick off this year's Holy Week series, we have Joel Baden, professor of Hebrew Bible and director of the Center for Continuing Education, and Sarah Drummond, founding dean of Andover Newton Seminary at Yale. They're discussing Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 14, which is appointed for Maundy Thursday in years A, B, and C. Here's the text. Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn with fire. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, from human to animal. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance.
0: Sarah, I realize that the story of like the first Exodus in Egypt and the moment where God says, you know, this is how you're going to do this and you're going to, you know, prepare your lamb and you're going to take the blood and you're going to put it on the doorpost is obviously like a major moment in the text and a major moment in tradition and is the beginning, obviously, of sort of the, the whole Passover tradition, at least narratively. Uh, but I find these verses, uh, I mean, just as, as a thing to read. Uh, Boring.
2: (laughs) Joel, that's very deep. That's a very deep, deep interpretation. And I just wish that you could get a little bit more down to earth as we look at this passage, which in the tradition from which you hail. He can't. He just can't.
0: You can't can't keep going like I'm not audibly laughing.
2: (laughs) If you had laughed, I wouldn't have laughed. That's a very deep interpretation from my Old Testament colleague, who's supposed to be able to help me to understand all of these details. I'm here to, I'm here to help you understand.
0: Yes, but. I mean, we can we can simply admit that the details of things like which day you have to keep watch over the lamb until ah, whatever. it's like not it's not super compelling reading, even as it's incredibly important reading. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. uh, well, you have questions,
2: oh, I have so many questions because I have to assume that every one of these details has some deep spiritual meaning because I look at the institution of the first Passover, and then its connection to what the Christians around here call the Last Supper as imbued with significance with every single detail along the way. So I want to be able to win at Bible trivia by having somebody explain to me some of these details. So for example, the neighbor thing the idea that you're not supposed to get a whole lamb if your family's really small, I then go on and wonder, does that have something to do with the way we're supposed to love our neighbor or care about our neighbor and think more expansively about neighbor than the person who just happens to live in the house next door? Is that what's happening here?
0: No, I like the second thing you said. It's, it's just, I mean, this is a This is a case of, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? This this is a case of the text is being totally down to earth about a thing. The communal aspect of this is everyone needs to participate. Everyone. Now, what if you're like poor or you're you're, like, you're an elderly couple and you don't have a lamb. And actually a lamb, it feels like an outrageous sort of expense for you. Or, you know, you can't eat a whole lamb by yourself.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you supposed to... So, but you have to participate and it's not meant to be onerous. So you get together, you get together with your neighbors and you share. And that way everybody participates even, you know, sort of vicariously through someone else's lamb, but everybody, everybody gets included. That's the, you know, if you want to make a spiritual thing out of it, it's got to do with you know every everybody is required and included and uh, i think less at least in the text that we have less with uh, it has less to do with something something i uh, where i think you were going on the more spiritual reading but that said there's nothing wrong with that as a sort of as as a, a, sp- a spiritual reading of you know the definition of one's neighbor and loving one's neighbor I mean, who's going to object to that really mm-hmm. i'm just not i'm not sure that's what's going on here
2: And I'm not sure if it needs to be what's going on for it to be a really meaningful text. I've often been described as somebody who's religious but not spiritual. I am very quick to go to the more practical meaning because I think the practical meaning in its own way is beautiful. That idea that everybody's got to participate. So what needs to happen in order for everybody to participate? That's enough for me. I mean, you might find it quite boring. No, no,
0: it's better. No, you see, now I see what you did there. No, see, it's better than just enough uh, for me, at least. I think that truly the notion of like the spiritual meaning is not inherent in the biblical text itself for the most part. The Hebrew Bible is almost entirely about community and community formation and identity and and so exactly what you are seeing here is like oh this is you know this isn't really about sort of deeper spiritual meaning as you know for an individual certainly but it's really about what does it mean to be in community what does it mean to be Part of God's people. In this case, there's there's a ritualized aspect to this. What does it mean to be God's people? We ritually participate in a thing together, everyone. And if you know, it seems like it would be tough for you. We got a system to make sure that it's it's not so tough. We want you to be involved because the Passover is, you know, in throughout the Bible and much of uh, Jewish tradition, it's Passover and circumcision. Those are the two big identity markers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other ones are, you know, accrue over the years. Sabbath observance becomes an easy one. Kosher laws become an easy one. But in the Bible itself, it's like circumcision and Passover. Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. the individual thing and the communal thing. And, that, and those, are like, those are the big ones.
2: And they're really important. And they're really important. Tell me about a Jewish perspective or perhaps just a Hebrew Bible perspective. What's the deal with the blood? Why that marker? On the door? Why not just a yard sign, a pink flamingo on the lawn? Like, why is blood really important here? And the reason I ask is because many Christians look to the notion of Jesus as the paschal lamb, Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. And then some even talk about being washed in the blood of Jesus to be made clean, which comes from the epistles, but it's also, you know, been lifted up as, as something to celebrate even hymnody. I don't like singing about blood, but I also am really curious if that practice is rooted here first. A little bit. Okay. I mean, which is
0: to say, it's rooted here first in kind of a conceptual way, if not an actual historical way. In a sense, right, when we look at the Passover, this this Passover moment, one of the things to remember is they're they're describing this moment in Egypt when they're all in their houses in Egypt and they're doing this right. They're they're killing an animal and they're doing manipulating its blood in a certain way to achieve a certain end, and then they're eating some of the meat. And like that's that's the ritual that is or the the action that's being described as taking place in ancient Egypt. But what they clearly have in mind is like the more standard sacrificial ritual of the author's present day. Okay. Right? So you know they're they're looking at their practices where to celebrate Passover, what does everyone do? People bring their lamb to their sanctuary to their to the sanctuary and they slaughter it and they apply the blood. To the to the altar in sort of the standard like the stuff the stuff no one reads in Leviticus right so like they apply the blood and that you know sort of achieves a, a ritual sacrificial end and then they get some of the meat back and then they and and they eat it right that's how festivals worked in ancient Israel and so that's sort of what they're describing here back in Egypt but of course there is no temple and there is no formal sacrifice so what does it look like if you sort of transfer our big festival that we celebrate today into that, if I retrojected it into the historical circumstances that I'm saying it came from. Okay. What would it look like? Mm -hmm. The best description sort of analogy of this I, I, I remember hearing is it's like we celebrate Thanksgiving and how do we then, like, and then we sort of create this. Well, what we do is we sit around the table and we eat turkey and we give thanks for stuff. And I, and so when I retroject that into like the first Thanksgiving, what am I, what do I imagine? Oh, I suppose it was probably like the pilgrims, the native Americans sitting around eating turkey and saying, Hey, thanks for helping us out. Hey, thanks for giving us smallpox, whatever, you know, like that was, uh, but that was the thing that they were, but of course that's not historically accurate it right. is kind of like this it's this like legendary thing that we've culturally made up to explain what we're doing
2: now. So the notion of what you're saying is that the notion of taking blood from a sacrificed animal and using it for home decor was something that originated with this story or was superimposed back on this story or was already going on before this story. So
0: but right. So we're going to keep it. I like that you can use the word story. We're going to keep it in the in the realm of story. When this text, when this story of Israel's sort of originary Passover, uh, was was created, conceived, composed, Israel was already living in Canaan with a temple, offering blood sacrifices, bloody sacrifices. So you know when they were like, well, how did we end up doing this? How do we end up doing this Passover thing? Well, back in Egypt. Uh, we killed an animal and we did a thing with its blood, just like we do today, but uh, like back then. Got so, it. So, got it. So, in a sense, right? That what the blood in the story is doing is not moving. Is not like the beginning of something. It's the creation of something in the past to explain the present. But as a, as again, as a means of imagining a continuity. You know, we've always done this since the beginning. This is the way it's always been. This is this is who we are. This is this is what we do. But I, you know, what makes this. Again, what makes this episode for me, having said at the beginning of this that I, I find it boring to read, and I do, I find the details I find the details not particularly interesting. But at the same time, one of the things one of the reasons I think they're not interesting is because they remind me so much of All the laws in Leviticus, which I should say I I actually deeply love, but I understand that they're empirically boring. If when you see things like here's how you eat it, here's how many days you watch over it, uh, here's uh you know, here's how you share it, here's what you do with the blood, uh, even things like uh, you know, don't leave any of it over until the next morning, right? That's a law that I, you know, like why in the context of Egypt does that make any sense? It doesn't really, but if you know that the law for in Leviticus for how you treat festival sacrifices is you offer it at this at the festival and you get the meat back and you have to eat the meat like within a certain time span. Oh well, okay, now I understand why that law is 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 here, right? The Passover ritual in Egypt that we think of because it comes first in the story as the first. And like, this is the beginning of the thing is actually just a reflection of the ongoing standard Leviticus style cult, which is in part why I think there's such a tendency to spiritualize its interpretation because for most interpreters, certainly most Christian interpreters, stuff that looks like Leviticus, it has to be about something more because that all the sacrificial ritual stuff is like, we're not keeping that right <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening, and thank you Professor Baden and Dean Drummond for giving us a different perspective for Maundy Thursday. For more resources for Holy Week, visit yalebiblestudy.org, and please take a minute to rate and subscribe to this podcast to help others find us. Thank you for all your support. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddard, and I'm your host and executive producer, Helena Martin. Mixing on today's episode and our theme music are by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.